SAFM's Beck and Soda. What's it like to be a free driver? What's it like to be a competitive eater? What's it like to be an Oscar seat filler? What's it like to have 16 kids? What's it like to be held hostage? What's it like to be lost at sea? What's it like to escape prison? What's it like? Kirsty Bryant from Coffs Harbour has become the first woman in Australia to receive a very rare transplant soda, the transplanting of a uterus. From her mum too. From her mother. Amazing stuff. Kirsty's on the line. Kirsty, why did you need this transplant? Hi. So after the birth of my first daughter, Violet, I needed a life-saving hysterectomy. I had a postpartum hemorrhage, which I lost 11 litres of blood. And the only way to save my life was to remove my uterus. And yeah, so that left me not able to carry any more pregnancies. Right. So how old is Violet now? Two years, one month. So she was two in April. Yep. So essentially then you find out you got, obviously the uterus is taken out. You need to have another uterus to be able to have any more babies. How did you identify that your mum was the best donor? (laughs) I mean, that's the uterus that you grew in. Like, it's so crazy. Yeah. So I think it was just a little bit of a given. I mean, we've always been a really close family. My mum watched me, you know, battle through the first, you know, six months after my hysterectomy. And I just was really lost. I just... I knew I really wanted a big family and that what I had spoken to my husband about prior to having Violet and yeah I was I was really 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 in a in a bit of a sad place after the birth of my daughter and I said hey mom hypothetically if you could give me your uterus you know would you have a hysterectomy and I think it was you know 10 15 seconds later she she sort of just said, yeah, sure. She said, why? Where, where would we have to go? And I said, no, no, no. There's this clinical trial in Australia. I really want to put my name down, but, you know, I, I need a donor. And mum said, yeah, of course, no worries. Were you worried being a trailblazer? Like it was the first time this surgery was done in Australia. Were you worried something could go wrong? <laughs> of course. To be honest, I didn't realise I would be the first. I knew the trial was looking for 12 participants. Um, I was just incredibly lucky that my mom was young, fit, healthy um, and willing to mm. have a, a, a really massive surgery, which, you know, li- like life changing surgery. Mm. And then, yeah, that we just happened to be a, a perfect blood match and tissue match. Uh, and it has been the ultimate success. Kirsty, share yeah. your news with us. Yeah, so I had my transplant in January. Mm -hmm. We had a successful embryo transfer at the beginning of May, and I am currently nine weeks pregnant. Oh, that is fantastic. Congratulations. Congratulations. So the remarkable thing is this new little baby is growing in the same uterus that you grew in, Kirsty. Yes, yeah, it's it's incredible, and to have have it be positive, um, you know, the first embryo transfer. I just feel in, incredibly lucky um, and grateful. Hopefully, fingers and toes crossed, if I can carry the baby to thirty seven weeks, and if this uterus allows me to carry this baby to thirty seven weeks, we'll be having a Christmas baby at twentieth of December. Hopefully, wow. And how will your birth be different? So first time round, it was spontaneous. Um, yes, it did end up in a cesarean section, but um, obviously I started having contractions at home and things like that. But mm. this time round, I have no nerve um, that hooks up the uterus to my, my nervous system. Mm. So okay. I won't be able to feel if I go into labour. So I'll be very closely monitored by um, an amazing doctor in Coffs Harbour and a, 
um, amazing team in Sydney and I will have a, um, a nice planned cesarean in Sydney, hopefully. Right. So pain-free. Pain-free. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there'll be a few little picks and prods and things mm. like that, but yeah, relatively pain-free. So did, did you just describe a cesarean as pain-free? Not well, that I've had one, but yeah. I imagine having your stomach cut open. It's not exactly oh, pain-free. It's, oh, right. you know, yeah, no, it's nothing. You mean, you I mean, mean the pain of the pushing? So my cesare- my original cesarean goes from hip to hip, so very traditional across the um, across sort of the bottom of your stomach where your um, vagina sits. But my transplant scar actually runs um, up and down, so it runs from my belly button down to the top of my pubic bone. So um, they'll most likely go in um, through the up and down mm-hmm. scar that I've just had um, done in January. Look, that was a very blokey thing to say, pain-free. You, you know what I mean. He's back, Jesse, yeah, I've, I've watched three natural births. You know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I do. Kirstie, what a beautiful story. You must be so um, proud of your mum. And uh, oh. we're so happy that it's had such a happy ending for you. Thank you. I always knew my mum was brave and courageous and incredible, but it's nice that everyone gets to hear how amazing my mum is. Kirsty, thank you for sharing your story with us this morning. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. SAFM's Beck and Soda. What's it like? Well, Beck, this is astounding because we're about to find out what it's like to be mauled by a big, grizzly, angry bear. <sighs> Crazy stuff. Jeremy Evans, he's from Canada, and six years ago he went head-to-head with a mama bear, and she absolutely went crazy. Now, i just got to give you a little warning. It's a little bit graphic. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a confronting story, so do take care. Uh, Jeremy joins us via Zoom. Jeremy, thank you for joining us. Um, tell us what happened. Well, it happened on August 24, 2017. I was uh, out in the wilderness uh, in the mountains in Alberta. Mm-hmm. I was on a sheep hunt and my binoculars up looking through the, looking across mm. the ridge and I repositioned, moved and this little brown thing ran in front of me. I knew right away what it was. It was a, it was a cub grizzly bear and I knew that, uh, you know, it was in a bad spot. Mama had to be close by. I was just reaching down my backpack to grab my bear spray. I heard a branch break over my right shoulder. When I turned and looked, there was mama on a full charge, less than arms reach away. How big How big is this bear that you're confronted with, what, an arm's length away? I'd say around 300 pounds. So me standing up would be about waist to mid-stomach level. <gasps> and then she attacked. How did you go fighting her off? Oh, I had like a half a second to react. I just basically mm. grabbed my bicycle and just dropped it in front of her. And her head went through the frame of the bicycle. She had on like a necklace and she turned and looked at me. <laughs> and the first thing I did was had my picked up my backpack and I just smashed her in the face with it, trying to get her to back off. Jeez. She was snapping at me and uh, and I kept hitting her with my backpack, trying to hopefully I can bend her off. She managed to grab a hold of my right hand and crush against the pack frame. And I got it loose, and then I got real aggressive and started beating her on the head with it really hard. And she turned and started to walk away. Um, and I thought, okay, well, that was that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. she can go walk away. And I was trying to walk back. I was walking backwards, trying to pull out my bear spray on my backpack. And then I just looked up, and she was about 30 feet away. She turned around, and she came charging in. And this is what I call the beginning of round two. <laughs> so I ran up the hill mountainside, jumped into a tree. I was about six feet up. My right leg was dangling low and I was trying to pull it up. She stood up on her hind legs and grabbed my right leg with her both paws, wrapped oh. it around it, got oh. it to her mouth, crunched down, pulled me out of the tree. Oh. I hit the ground pretty hard and uh, she started getting a little more aggressive. 
and she lunged in with her mouth, grabbed me on the uh, on the left side, kind of in the love handle area, <laughs> picked me up, chucked me about six feet. Wow. And then this part here is uh, where things got a little serious. Oh, okay. You've just taken your cap off. Yep. And we can see yeah. a pretty decent <laughs> scar on your scalp. Uh, it's, it's just a little one. <laughs> Jeez. So what, she, she's crunched on your head. Her first bite caught me on either side of the left eye. Her uh, one canine tooth caught me right in the top corner where my oh. eye meets my nose. And she crunched down, removing or crushing the whole left side of my face. God. And when I'm laying there and she took that big bite, I was just thinking, well, this sucks. Like getting chewed on or, you know, playing dead sucks. Jeremy, can I ask you at this point, what's actually going through your head? Are you thinking this is it? I've got no chance to get out? Uh, I wasn't thinking much. There was just mostly teeth going through my head. Oh, God. Oh, wow. I rolled over to my back and started punching her in the face, my right arm, poking her nose, stick my finger in her eye, grabbing her ear, and she was snapping up my hand. Uh, and then she come down to bite me a second time in the face. And the way her mouth was, it just come down, kind of perfect mouth open, lunging, oh. lunging on my face. And I punched my left hand into her mouth. And I just remember my fingers sliding down her tongue. You could feel all the oh. bumps and ridges. And it's like leather, soft leather. And it came to the back. And I shoved my uh, middle finger and next finger down her throat and wrapped the rest of my hand around her tongue. And I was holding on for dear life. She started to gag and kind of like choke. At this point in time, she was straddling me. And her back legs were digging into my right side and her claws were digging in. That was hurting. So I was trying to push her off, pushing her hind end and my hand slipped and I hit the belly and I could tell it was the belly because there's softer, less mm. hair. And I reached up and grabbed what I thought was balls, a nice loose piece of skin. And when I grabbed that, I twisted and pulled. She made a really horrible sound and started sque uh, squealing like a pig. I let go. She ran back the way she came, just defecating across the mountainside and mm. squealing like a pig as she ran to the bush. So I got up dust myself off and then i took a picture of myself jeremy this is just absolutely insane look can you stay with us because we need to take a quick break coming up next we're going to find out how on earth jeremy actually survived to tell this tale well, we're in the middle of a chat with canadian jeremy evans who was mauled by an angry grizzly bear it's a remarkable story um just a warning it's pretty graphic so at this point he's already been attacked twice he's barely alive but believe it or not, things are about to get a whole lot worse. So, Jeremy, what happened next? At the time, I thought uh, she was gone for good. Uh, I'm sitting there in my pack, you know, looking at the picture I took, going, well, it's not too bad. I mean, you know, I'm only missing the left side of my face. And <laughs> so anyways, I'm just sitting there trying to debate what I should do. Heard the sound of, like, ice breaking when you take a, like, a ice tray and crack it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she had come back and grabbed me by the back of the skull, oh, and that oh. sound was the back of my skull being crushed oh, oh gosh thought she was gone and so i just remember seeing her pause on the side of me and just seeing her dig in and pull me back and you can hear her kind of grunting and just digging her claws in and then she stopped and i was sitting on my butt leaning against her she reached over with her uh one of her paws caught me on the lower left side of my face and pulled all the skin off ah. all the way on my right side removing my ear oh, my and all the skin on the right side of my face uh, then she started chewing on the back of my head and like just crunching like a dog on a <laughs> bone. Just you can hear it crunching on the side of my head. Um, she removed all the skin down to almost my collarbone on the left side and then basically fully de-scalped me, removed all the skin off my head. So I'm sitting there and she's chewing away and uh, nothing I can really do. Um, she moved and I fell back and I was laying on the ground 
and she was above me and I could tell at this point in time, I couldn't see my left eye was actually hanging out of the uh. socket. So anyways, I'm laying there and I could tell she's above me. Someone was above me and I reached up and I found what I, you know, nice soft piece of flesh between her legs, grabbed with both hands, twisted and pulled. She started to squeal like a pig again, frantically jumping around, making all kinds of weird noises. And, uh, and then I figured she got the point. I let go and she ran down the mountainside and just squealing all the way down. You can hear her off into the woods as she ran squealing. Jeremy, this is astounding. I'm just trying to work out how you even deal with this. Once you've got through all of that situation, did you think that there's no chance you can survive this? Because you're in the middle of nowhere, essentially, aren't you? Correct. I was at this point, I was over 12 kilometers from my truck. I, I knew I wasn't going to make it. I was thinking, no one's going to find me where I'm at. Mm. And so my wife and daughter owed at least for me to try to make it somewhere they're going to find the body. I wanted quick closure for them. Uh, you know, at that point, uh, I decided you know, I was going to try to at least make it across the drainage to the next trail where more people go. At the first 100 feet of it, uh, I was doing okay, and then I lost my footing, and I tumbled all the way down the drainage down to a creek below and all through the boulders, and I was I was in a lot of pain and laying there. And I kind of like, this is, this is it. Like, there's no way I'm getting out of here. This is going to be my final resting place, and... I pulled out my phone to send a, a goodbye message to my wife just to let her know that, you know, I, I tried and this was it. And uh, I went to go play some music just to relax me so I can fall asleep. And mm-hmm. when I got to my phone or trying to turn on music, uh, the, the song that uh, I played for my daughter the night before I put her to bed, her favorite nursery rhyme, um, was Baby Shark. Mm-hmm. And that came on and, and that was on uh, repeat. And it gave me a little bit of encouragement to uh just try to crawl up the other side of the of the drainage and uh, the whole time i was thinking well i can make it you know to that first rock there and i pulled myself up to that okay well maybe i can make it to the next rock and i just set all these little mini goals all Mm. along the way and you know eight nine hours later i ended up at my truck so you've essentially crawled 12 kilometers in that state uh yeah Wow, incredible story of survival. And then, and also you can't see very well either because your two eyes have been gouged. How did you, how did you get in your truck and drive? So when I got to my truck, I remember I hopped in the truck front seat, started it up. When I looked up, it was just uh, dark green, fuzzy green with a light spot in the middle. And the light spot I thought was the middle of the road. And so I just aimed for that and uh, I drove 22 kilometers and it took about an hour to, to drive that before I got to a place where I can get some help. Jeremy, it's an astounding tale of survival. I can only imagine once you finally got the help, people must have been just stunned and shocked when they saw you. Uh, yeah, they were. The first person to actually see me was a, a nine-year-old boy. And I walked into this lodge, and they had uh, big bay windows all the way around, and I'm walking on the patio trying to get to the door. Mm. And as I was opening up the door, I can hear this voice saying, Grandma, somebody's trying to play a prank on us. <laughs> Because I looked like a zombie. My jaw was hanging down. Oh, I had toilet God. paper and bounty sheets kind of wrapped around my head and everything taped up. And I was kind of hunched over and uh, walking funny. And I got in there and uh, I tried to explain to the people best as I could what happened. I could hardly talk. And trying to figure out what to do. Ended up being one of the ladies that worked at the lodge. Her dad owned a helicopter. So she phoned him and he flew his private helicopter in to airlift me to the nearest hospital. And the nearest hospital, they couldn't do nothing for me. It was a small town hospital, maybe, you know, 50 rooms in the hospital. So they were kind of like, well, we don't know what to do. So they threw me in an ambulance and shipped me off uh, an hour and a half away to uh, Calgary at the Foothills Hospital where they did all the surgeries. 
I was uh, attacked around 9.36 a.m. and I made it to hospital at 9.17 that night. Well, that's such an extraordinary story and you're such a fighter. I think um, not many people would have would have fought back like that um, and uh, I'm sure it's a fascinating book. It's called Mold Life Lessons Learned from a Grizzly Bear Attack. Can you give us your number one lesson you've learned from this unbelievable story? Uh, that uh, family comes first and, you know, the, the power... Uh, the love for your family is what ultimately one of the biggest things that got me out. Mate, we wish you all the best and, and so good to hear that you're you're on the right path now and you've got your family with you, mate. Uh, it is an amazing situation. Yeah, thank you. SAFM's Beck and Soda, 6 to 9 weekdays. SAFM.